Welcome in everyone. This is Chris McLaughlin and welcome to the Sunday Recap. It's a podcast here of Stones Crossing Church where we go back and look at the uh, the uh, the sermon. I don't know what's happening now. Yeah, we go back and look at the sermon from last week and have a good time talking about it. Now, as you probably noticed, uh, the laughing that's in here is not our normal cast of characters that we have here. Uh, Mitch and Ariel are off today, and so we have with us today, first of all, my wife, uh, Erica. Woo-hoo. Hello. Hello. Welcome into the studio. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. We've been doing this for almost two years, and this is the first time we've had you on. I'm like, why is that? Oh, yeah, because we have little kids. So, <laughs> But we got a babysitter for Peach, and that's good. Yeah, so welcome on. Thank you very much. It's kind of cool being in a podcast because, like, I could be wearing a formal gown or sweatpants and have a face made for radio, and no one knows anything better. <laughs> Your gown looks beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. My tiara is on straight and everything. Nice. Uh, also with us today is Jess Schoolcraft. Uh, so Jess is a member here at Stones. Uh, also uh, co-leads with Erica the um, AM Moms Crossing Ministry. So Jess, welcome. Hey. Glad you're here. I'm new here. So. Yeah. <laughs> Go so easy cool. on me. No, you're, you're good. <laughs> you're good. So glad you guys are here. Um, what's really neat is we have two of our Moms Crossing leaders that are here today, um, we're going to be digging into Psalm 139 in this last sermon that is uh, dealing with abortion. So we're going to dig into all that today. Um, but first, I want to talk about Moms Crossing. So would you guys just tell us, what is Moms Crossing? So Moms Crossing is a ministry for women who are pregnant um, all the way up to whatever age they are, but they have to have a child who is in utero up to preschool. Okay. And so it's a ministry specifically for those moms. It looks a lot different than some of our other ministries in that... Um, I mean, everybody is busy, but moms of littles are pouring out a lot. And so we take some time to pour into them, um, partially like we give them presents and there's pretty things <laughs> and stuff like that to just let them like, they put their children yeah. away in childcare <laughs> and they get to come in and breathe and have a cup of coffee while it's hot and have a snack and stuff like that. So like we, we try to take care of our moms, but then also we believe so strongly at Stones and biblically and everything that we can teach them tips and tricks and give them things, but it doesn't do anything if we're not feeding their spirits. And so we give them the gospel every single week, um, good messages about often relating to parenthood in some way, but also just life and womanhood and all kinds of things like that. So it kind of mashes together taking care of them, but taking care of their spirits. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, what's so neat is, I mean, even through the pandemic, Moms Crossing really uh, pushed hard through that and thrived in the midst of it, which was really interesting. I think you guys were one of the like only ministries that really <laughs> thrived through the pandemic, which was really interesting. Um, and the moms were really committed to that. And I think for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about there, where where they really felt like they were being poured into and this was something that was valuable to them. So that, w- that was really cool. Um, Tell us a little bit about some of the like the things that you guys talk about in there. Um, like, what what do you guys what what are you teaching? Um, uh, what are some of the fun things you guys get to do? All that stuff. So this year, our um, is it theme or focus? What's our focus? The gospel changes everything. <laughs> yeah, our theme is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. 
the gospel changes everything is, I don't know, I'm confusing myself. Anyway, so we've been talking about how the gospel applies to everything, Yeah, which has been so cool coming off of um, hanging out with you and Ariel and drinking out of a fire hose of theology <laughs> for two years, um, going and getting to share with these women how the gospel does apply to motherhood all yeah. the way from fall, the like creation through fall, through redemption, and eventually in consummation. And it's been so fun to have the conversations with our girls at our table like well this is happening and it's a direct result of the fall but how is Jesus in this how yeah. is Jesus redeeming it and what's it going to what's it going to look like yeah when it's all said and done totally like giving them that perspective has been so fun for me and seeing the growth like I've got a girl who's doing story of scripture with me oh, and yeah. I'm so excited yeah just, just to watch the fireworks <laughs> go off in her brain oh it's so fun so fun that's awesome. Um, and what's neat too is in, for, in some ways, um, what I think what we've seen is that the moms who come through uh, Moms Crossing end up um, really growing in their faith in that time. And then they move on to either um, jumping into some other things uh, or even serving in some big ways coming out of it, which is, which is huge. And one of the ways that we've seen moms uh, continue to serve is even within Moms Crossing too. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about... Um, serving and what you guys are even looking for as you're, as you're looking for leaders to serve? There's like an umbrella of leadership positions within Moms Crossing. There's co-coordinators, which there are four of us, two for the morning and two for the evening. There are hospitality ladies because we are one that we are a ministry that serves the ladies alongside, um, just teaching them and stuff like that. There's there's ladies who are in charge of getting together the food and things like that. We've got creative services, which is a person who is creative. <laughs> um, and <laughs> we do some crafts occasionally, not like every meeting or anything. And so you don't have to sit there and think, well, I'm not crafty. This is not for me. No, it's all good. They like give you everything to do something cute like a couple times in the year. Don't stress. Um, <laughs> and there are discussion group leaders who sit at the table and facilitate mm -hmm. the discussions. Because when we listen to someone speak, then we get to bring it back to our tables and have personal discussions about what does that mean? And what does that mean for you and your family? And how do you apply that? Um, like the, this word is for everyone, but how do I make that rubber meets the road right here? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we get to talk about that stuff. So we've got people who uh, facilitate those discussions. We've got mentor moms who are sweet ladies who have been where we are and are a little I can speak English, are a little past that point now so they can look back with wisdom and share that wisdom with us, yeah. um, the wisdom that comes from experience. And so we've got all kinds of positions, and next year we're going to need lots of them. So Yeah, yeah. So that's something, if you're interested in jumping into a leadership role with Moms Crossing, come talk to Erica or Jess or one of the other Moms Crossing leaders. Uh, they would love to talk with you about that for the fall. Um, Andrea Fisher and Abigail Calvert yes. are the PM Moms Crossing coordinators. Yeah, yeah. And that is one of the other cool things is that there is a morning and an evening version of this. So it helps to fit your schedule wherever you're at. Um, is there still room this semester for moms to jump in? Yes, we've got a couple more spots for moms in the mornings and we've got plenty of room for moms in the evenings as awesome. well so if anybody even though we've already started for the semester there it's not like oh now you've missed out so yeah come join us anytime cool all right but sign up yeah. stonescrossing.com slash women well let's go ahead and get started we're going to jump into psalm 139 um Let's go ahead and uh, what I would like to do, because we, we really looked at verses 13 through 18, but can we read, let's just read the whole psalm, because I think there's, there's a lot of context here about what David is saying with this psalm. So would one of you guys be up for reading the whole thing? 
I'll do it. Okay. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Great. Thank you. So this psalm, obviously, you know, we talked about this passage that's right in the middle of it where he, he really focuses in on the knowledge of God of us prior to our birth, like even before the foundations of the earth, as we see in Ephesians 1 and some other places. But this idea that God knows us perfectly and he knew us um, even when we were in the womb and before our birth. Before we get into that, though, because that's a subset of the whole thing, looking at the whole psalm, um, what, how would you characterize like the, the theme of this psalm? Like what is, the, what is David as a psalmist, why is he writing this psalm? Uh, what what is he asking for? What is he getting to? Um, I think it, it's a, a call. I think it's one, it's praise. Mm-hmm. Like he's praising God for knowing him. But yeah. I almost feel, especially at that end, that it is, um, it's him asking for God to reveal what God knows about him to his own self. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's like uh, he's he's asking for sanctification, yeah. for growth, yeah. spiritual growth in some ways. And yep. like, what a humbling prayer to pray. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, need I to don't pray know it every myself. Day. I don't, right. But like. Also dangerous because, yep. <laughs> I mean, the knowledge of our own sinfulness could be crippling at times as well. So, yeah. And what I think is fascinating about this, too, is he uses the same idea at the beginning and the end, right? The search me and know me, right? Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, it starts out, you have searched me mm-hmm. and know me. And so so it's almost like um, it's almost like he's asking God to search him and know him, but he's delighting in the truth that God already does. Like yep. he already knows him perfectly. And so this subset of of the psalm when we get to like verse 13 it's it's just part of that that piece of that right like that God already knows him that he that he knows him and knew him perfectly even before he was born before he had done anything but it's also so great that at the end he's he's inviting him to we don't have to invite God to mm-hmm. but it's like 
the recognition that he can, but also the invitation to that. Like, I'm not trying to block you from this, God. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really want you to do this. Yeah. Really focusing then in on this section, you know, he's he's getting into this, this idea that God knows him um, even before he was born. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Um, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, he gets into all of these things that give, gives us um, really some theology around, one, the knowledge of God, and also a little bit about who we are as well. Um, just just from, from that text, what are some things that we can see about, about God's knowledge of us? What, what are some, some key things that jump out to you? I think there's something to be said for... Can, can you imagine if we had limitless thoughts, mm-hmm. whereas God has limitless thoughts. I'm so thankful that God has a cap <laughs> on what I can think. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the fact that those limitless thoughts for his, his creation are precious. Yeah. Like that is so, that is so spot on the tender heart of God. Mm-hmm. And I just, I cherish that. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to cling to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels so complete. The, the way he's talking about all of it too here, that it's, it's not just my body. My frame was not hidden from you. It's also the days that were formed for me. It's, it's who I am. It's what I look like. It's what I'm going to do. It's what I'm thinking. Every piece of my life mm-hmm. is flayed out in front of the Lord in his knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our brains can't comprehend that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he tries to, to remind us of that, that, that the Lord knows every part of us. It's not hidden from him. Yeah. Yeah. Good and bad. Yep. Right. Which is frightening, you know, <laughs> uh, in some ways when you think about it. Um, and, I, and I think for people who are maybe not Christians or, or maybe new to Christianity too, this, is, this can be kind of a terrifying thought, you mm-hmm. know, because they're very aware of, uh, as we are too, but aware of our sinfulness. But, but um, when you know the word and you know the whole of the character of God, right. then it makes it even more precious because the things that I hide from everyone else, when they would reject me because of those things that I hide, mm-hmm. God knows them. And yeah. he died for me in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, dude. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The, the whole character, this happens with Erica and I is like, I'll start talking and then she'll complete my sentences. So, Sorry, um, <laughs> I'm also just rude. I'll just sit here. I'll wait to be invited but, into the conversation. No, no, you just can't. No, no. But, but uh, the character of God over and over again in Scripture, he's always uh, – people talk about him, the, the, the Scriptures talk about him as being um, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and compassion. And that love is that word hesed, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about on the podcast before where it's, it's this faithful, loyal love. And so for those that know the character of God, then uh, running to him – with our sin, running to him in, in our brokenness is actually um, the most safe thing that we can do. But when we don't understand the character of God in that way, it's a terrifying thought yeah, to think about all this stuff. So, so. you were legit going there before yeah. I said, sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think this is important. There's an important piece here too that I don't want to skip over, and that is the power of um, Christian fellowship. As a new believer, surrounding myself with more mature Christians who could point me to to the whole counsel of God, yeah. 
that has been transformative for me and mm. how I deal with my sin and what my sanctification has looked like and how it has changed over the years yeah. because I've gone from a, oh no, I can't take this to God because, uh-oh, like I've done something really bad. Right. I know he knows and he's probably shut me out too. Oh, he's he he knows and he loves me and he wants he wants me to deal with this and he's going to deal with me tenderly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think... And I, I don't want to skip past this because this part of um, really the character of God, I think, is critical for anybody. So, like, let's jump into the abortion topic at this mm-hmm. point. Um, one of the things that I think that we want to very carefully and sensitively talk about here is that we're fully aware that there are people um, uh, in even in our church who um, who have had an abortion or encourage people to get an abortion or things like that. And maybe have come to a place where they're like, wow, that was probably not the best thing. That was a sin or that was, you know, like that was an offense to God. And so they carry a guilt and a burden of that. And that can be crippling. That could be absolutely crippling for people to carry that. And I think it's important just at the outset that we do reflect on that character of God, that we want him we want to know that he is the safe place to go to when we sin. And it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we've gone. I mean, you, you look at, at even some of the things that he says here, like, where shall I go from your spirit in verse 7? Where can I flee from your presence? Um, it doesn't matter where we go. We, we, in, this, in this psalm, he's like, I can run to the darkness or I can go to the light, but he's going to be there, you yeah. know? Um, so looking at Psalm 139, I don't know the chronology of all of this. Is this after, like, Bathsheba and stuff? Mm. I don't know. Because if so, dude very well knows that, like, big fat sinners, Jesus loves them. Because he has now murdered and adultered and (laughs) (laughs) all the things. English aside. Um, Murdered and adultered. And knows that the Lord is for him. Right, exactly, exactly, and I and I think that's what we want to make sure everybody who's listening also knows is that the Lord is for you, um, yep. in whatever burden you're carrying, God is the safest place to run to in the midst of mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're dealing with. So, let's talk about let's talk about the the abortion issue, um, just in general here. One of the things that Scott said about this was that this is such a challenging topic, right? Um, and I think we know that. It's it's a challenging topic. Um, but why it's so challenging sometimes is difficult to understand. Um, one thing that Scott said is, one, that the Bible doesn't speak specifically about it, right? So when we look at it theologically, you never have a verse that says, like, thou shalt not, not you know, <laughs> whatever, yeah, yeah. okay? But um, there are things like this verse and some others that do point to this idea of the sanctity of life. Um, but let's let's kind of dig into then why this can be such a challenging issue even still. Um, I, I know we, we had some thoughts on this, but, like, yeah, share with us, like, why is this still a challenging issue? Well, one of the things that Scott said in the beginning of his sermon, too, he said Jesus was pro-baby and pro-woman. Mm-hmm. And our country likes to be very split on things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so Christian Democrats or Democrats who are not Christian say, we care about the woman. And Republicans don't. 
And Republicans, Christian or otherwise, like to say we care about the baby and Democrats don't. But often, not always, but often those polar extremes are missing exactly half of the equation. They're, mm -hmm. they're missing one or the other, both of whom are humans who we need to love. Mm -hmm. And we're dehumanizing or villainizing one side or the other without recognizing that God created both and God loves both. And so how do we tenderly care for both? Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of last year when Josh Hirschberger came out and we've talked about this on the podcast a number of times now, but I just thought it was so good because he put up the, these five different Imago Day issues and just said like, you know, seems like one of our parties has sort of the cornered the market on three of these. And one of our parties has cornered the market on two of these. And what that means is you know, no political party has really quartered the market on God <laughs> at that yeah. point. But all five of those issues are important because we see them in Scripture and that they're at the heart of God. So what are some of those circumstances that that we do need to think through maybe a little bit deeper in order to see how we can care for, for women that are in those situations? Yeah. I mean, well, you have... Um you have socioeconomic issues. You have women who um, don't have the means to support the baby. And how, how can we come alongside and help those women? Um, you have women who, you made the good point, Erica, the other day, saying that there are women who are doing everything right and are actively preventing against a baby. And then they have a house full of kids because they're just fertile myrtles. Like, <laughs> what are we doing to help these women? This was, first of all, really interesting because I, I had asked Jess to be on the podcast not knowing about your story. And I, I listed off a bunch of different topics that were coming up and talked about the abortion one. And she's like, I want to talk about that. And I was like, really? And then she told me a little about, about her story. So I, I feel like maybe the Lord has been <laughs> at work here to kind of help in bringing this story to light that yeah. it's going to help some people. But tell us a little bit about your story um, with all this? Yeah. So, um, I was raised in the church, um, but I didn't, I didn't really transition to my own faith, um, right away. I was a little bit of a prodigal. Okay. And so I fell into some bad habits, found, I fell into some bad relationships. I made a series of poor choices. And, um, after a series of poor choices, I wound up pregnant and the, the, the dude wasn't safe. Um, I had been, using substances. And I was worried that, um, the little bean that I had created was going to have a whole host of problems. Mm. And I had a friend at the time, um, who, um, was raised in the church as well. She's not a professing Christian, but at the time she was still very much living in that moral, that moral code that her parents had given her. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, she disagreed with me mm -hmm. completely, and I don't know how. God just worked through the whole thing. She disagreed with my decision to have an abortion, um, but she knew that I was going to be alone in that, that hell mm -hmm. if I went through it. And she was like, I disagree with you, but I'm going to walk through this with you wow. hand in hand. Wow. Um, and at, so in the state of Indiana, um, at that time, you had to go in for two appointments. Whoop. You have to go in to like confirm that you're pregnant and then you have to go, it's like a, like you get confirmation and then they give you like information about it. And then you have to go back in for the procedure. Mm -hmm. um, most of the states in this area are that way, except for Illinois, mm -hmm. Illinois, you could just go in and have a same day. 
Um, so I did have some downtime to think about it and she was working on me and, you know, get like her mom was involved in the process, trying to talk me out of it. My own mom was trying to talk me out of it. Um, but I was determined that I was going to go through with it because I felt like even though I had these three women who were coming alongside me saying that, um, they were going to help me. I just, I wasn't, I was, my mental health was terrible. I didn't feel like I had the option. It was just a total lie. Um, so I finally decided to go through with it and, my mom wouldn't drive me. Obviously, I wasn't going to ask her mom because her mom and my mom were on the same stance. Um, so she was the one who drove me, and she was the one who sat in the waiting room with me holding my hand. And the whole time that we had to wait because you you get there, and then you have to wait for hours. Yeah. Like they don't just mm-hmm. walk you back and get you out. It's like not an in and out quick mm-hmm. process. Like there, it, it, is a, it is a drawn out process, at least in this state. Yeah. Um, and the whole time that I was in that waiting room, those four four to six hours, however long it was, she would just gently remind me, if at any time you feel like you've changed your mind, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Up until the time that I walked through those doors and she no longer could hold my hand through the process, mm-hmm. she was there like just acting as an agent of Christ without even realizing she was doing it, like wow. telling me there's another option, there's another option, but I love you and I'm with you. And then she took me home and cared for me after I had made this awful decision mm. that she completely disagreed with. And mm. then um, I fell into a really bad depression afterward. And she, man, she stood by my side. I'm so thankful for her. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. And I just, I see the grace of God all through that. And, and it just ministers to me how to disagree well with people and still be with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, Thank thanks for, for Yeah, totally. Yeah. Looking back on everything that, that you went through, I mean, you said that you went into a depression. How did that, um, how ultimately did that affect you? And what was it that really helped you to to, to recover from that? And is that still ongoing for you? I, like, what's, what, is, what, is it, what is the process like for you? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. <laughs> and I think that it's a conversation that more women should feel comfortable discussing. And that's one of the prayers of my heart that in sharing my own story with abortion, that more women would, um, would like take a machete through shame and that they would give, they would shine light on something that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if anyone is struggling with it. Um, so for me, it was a lot of guilt. I mean, I was raised, I knew better. Mm. I knew better. I mean, even sitting on the procedure table, like I was, I knew better. Mm. And I just, it, it made me sick with myself. So it, the depression was more of a like self, a self-condemning guilt mm. that I just laid thick on myself. And it only drove me, I think of Jonah, like going down to yeah. Joppa going down to the boat. <laughs> like I was Jonah in that for a while. Yeah. Like I was just, I, I, I was spiraling and I, I ultimately don't know what the turning point was for me. Um, honestly, I think it may have been my husband. I think the Lord just plopped my steady, stable husband right in my path to just tell me to knock it off. Like he, God has mm. been so good to me. Mm. Um, and Coming back to my faith, I mean, I was 21, 22, I can't remember the exact timeline when I had the abortion. And then at 25 was when God was like, yeah, no, you're mine. <laughs> uh, good luck running. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it was like, he started peeling back the layers for me there. And I remember one night specifically, my husband was working and I was home reading my Bible. And for whatever reason, I just knelt down and I was like, Lord, I know that you know, Psalm 139, like, mm-hmm. I know that you know I did that. Mm. I know that you know. Search me. I'm sorry. And I just felt a supernatural just blanket of grace. Like that's the only way I can explain it. And I knew that I was not going to have to wrestle with guilt or shame over that because Jesus covered it. Praise God. Yeah. Not every woman is going to share that experience. And there are so many wonderful resources um, that can help a woman walk through healing from her story and that. But in my case, like it was just snap of a finger Jesus was like no I covered that mm. wow. wow can we say a man too just because there are men absolutely who encourage their you know girlfriends wives whatever to go through that and they also face that yes, shame absolutely. and guilt and we've we've had mentors who have um been there and talked yeah. about that as well so yeah. I don't want to discount men altogether absolutely. although this conversation generally surrounds women all right but abortion does affect men. It does affect men. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that, too, Yeah. in a society that is currently really kind of railing against um, men and masculinity. It's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to admit that this this issue doesn't just affect women. It affects mm-hmm. men, too. Sure. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's interesting just because I think with your experience, that's, that's not everybody's experience to oh, have no. that 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 instant moment of grace, but, but it's, it's also at the end of the day, what I, I think what that is, is it's, it's knowing the promise of God. It's knowing, first of all, his character, right? We talked about Mm -hmm. that, that, that he is slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love and compassion. And I love that that, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Yes, exactly. And then, and then, so it's knowing that it's knowing that he knows that he knows every part of us. And then it's also then trusting in his his promise that those things are forgiven that yeah. he has covered those things and that's faith at the end yeah. of the day mm-hmm. like like that's what faith is that we um uh you know one one apologist that i listen to sometimes he he calls it faith is being active trust and so every day it's active trust that I, i'm counting on christ to cover my sin uh, you know, and, and it's just coming back to that every day, every day. Yep. Yeah. There are, uh, there are all kinds of circumstances that do make this even more complicated, right? So, you know, so in your situation, you were concerned about, um, the health of the baby and, and things like that. Your own mental health. Yeah. Sure. So, so there's all of that to consider, um, you know, there's another woman in our church who we've uh, we've talked to about this. Who they had a very different circumstance, and they mm-hmm. that that situation was that um, the, I think I think the baby was fairly young still, it's like 22 weeks, 28 weeks, something it, like that. It has to do with definition. 27. A lot of it. Well, let's tell the story yeah. first. So so yeah, yeah. so it was so like 27 weeks. Is that what it was? Yeah. So I think the legal definition is 28 weeks. Of, is of viability what, of what a, an abortion oh, yes, before it's up to 28, 28 weeks? Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. an abortion yeah, yeah. is is 
terminating a pregnancy before 28 weeks by okay. legal definition. Okay. I, I believe. I think that's federal. It could be statewide, but I... I so it's... So th in this situation, the baby was younger than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so they had um, a medical complication that was... Her life was in danger. Mm -hmm. Both and of theirs. Both yeah. of their lives were in danger. So they did an abortion, but the abortion was not... Was not like... Um, to terminate the to terminate the, yeah. the, 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 child. The, the child yeah they actually so they removed the the, the, the child it was early induction essentially exactly. yes yeah. exactly and 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 the child survived yeah they've got a beautiful baby girl that's right um and and it's it's an absolute miracle what mm -hmm. what what happened with all that and so that situation um while it's still termed an abortion um is very different than mm -hmm. than what we typically think of when it comes to abortion. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that that becomes really important with are we dealing with gentleness when we talk about this topic? Because it matters that people care about abortion. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we should vote where we care, but we also should be really careful with and gentle and loving yeah. with how we talk about things and maybe how we how we fight for things that we care about. I would like to see terminology changed legally Absolutely. so that when we say blanket, you know, no abortions, period, the end, that would have meant that she and her baby would have died. Right. Like, yep. right. because they couldn't have induced this, this yep. pregnancy at that time. Was it dangerous? Absolutely. But it was the only option mm -hmm. that could save them. Um, and so I think that when we say things... We just need to be gentle and loving because yeah. when we say something like abortion is wrong, ban all of them, blah, 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 without knowing some of those things, you're telling someone you love possibly that their own child, you know, should have died or, or you shouldn't have been able to do sure. that. And mm -hmm. I don't think that people intend it that way, um, but we don't know some of those stories and things like that. And we say things without recognizing, again, the humanity behind them because also so many of these conversations happen on social media yeah. where we right. don't have the care and the love yeah. with how we speak often. We just say things strongly yeah. and forget the humanity of the people who are reading or listening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what Scott said, I think is right. Uh, statistically situations like that, when it comes to the number of abortions that are done, they're rare, they're rare, they're more rare. But I think that's where having different terminology can be really helpful because when, then when we get to things like legislation and stuff mm -hmm. like that, there's better vocabulary around yes. what we're actually talking You're about. You're not like literally throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> with the amniotic. With the amniotic. <laughs> wow. It's my wife, everyone. It's good. Oh. <laughs> Inappropriate pastor's wife. <laughs> yep. Wow. Oh. That's good. Um, That's, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> Heck no, keep it in. <laughs> Another uh, situation that we do need to consider as well is, it kind of goes back to just what you were concerned about in your life was, you know, what if there's problems mm -hmm. with this child? And it's Scott said, we don't have any ground to stand on saying that no life is better than a difficult life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I also like that they said that ordaining life is God's right, not ours. Yep. Like, you know, so there's there's that whole thing, like who creates life? It's God, you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's God that, that creates life. And so, um, you know, Erica and I, we, we, our story with this is, you know, we have a son who has some genetic 
abnormalities, right? Uh, he has a condition called neurofibromatosis type 1, which can you maybe just explain a little bit what that is? Yeah, people call it NF, by the way, because that's a mouthful. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's a genetic disorder in which um, essentially he, he can grow tumors all over, inside, outside his body. Um, there's some stuff going on with, like, his nerve sheath stuff. So um, it can have a host of other difficulties. It often does. Mm -hmm. it, it often, but not always, has learning disabilities, some some other physical um, issues, yeah. low muscle tone and this, that, and the other. There's there's a lot of stuff that can come with it. And so every every NF patient's story is different. But Caleb has a big, fat tumor in his head. Right. Um, and a couple other small things. Yeah. One of the things that science is able to do now, which, I mean, can be a blessing, is 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 to be able to genetically test, you know, the 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 fetus before mm -hmm. they're born, and you can you can know what is going on with them and if there's problems and things like that, and so um, sometimes a, a choice is made to abort a baby that has those types of issues. You know, I look at Caleb and 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 everything that that he. Um, that he is, and he's uh, he's doing really well. First of all, like we've been, you know, we've been blessed with that. Yes. Yeah, not everyone is. He's doing really well. Um, he is smart, and he's fun, and he's funny, and um, you know, he's still a kid, and so he uh, does kid goofy kid things and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but plenty of people would have seen had they done that testing. Yeah, that. He had NF, so let's let's not go there. Right, and right, and I think done away with. And that. I think though, Scott said this really well, and I want to I, I want to just emphasize this point that like through Caleb, um, and I I don't know all that what God is going to do in Caleb's life to teach him about what it means to to follow Him, to mm -hmm, follow Christ mm -hmm. and stuff, but I know already in our lives that God has taught us a ton. Oh yeah, through through Caleb. And, and so like one of the things that, that Scott said is, um, you know, he, he talked about how when we, um, that, that every unborn child reflects the plan of God, that part of that plan is all, all the things that through the challenges that, that they have, and even through the challenges of mm -hmm. just raising a normal, healthy child too, <laughs> that God uses those challenges, the, the pain of it, the suffering, honestly, he uses all of that stuff in order to grow us, to teach us. Um, that's part of what God does to sanctify us. And we live in a culture that really values pleasure over pain, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we value um, trying to uh, minimize the amount of pain that we go through and maximize the amount of pleasure that we experience. And I think um, the problem with that is, is that by minimizing the pain that we go through, it actually stops the sanctification process that God can use mm -hmm. in order to grow us. You know, so for, for Eric and I, we have learned so much about God. We have learned so much about ourselves. We have learned more about faith and how to trust God mm -hmm. through the, these last five years uh, since we've known about this. And it's been, um, you know, we don't wish this on anybody, of course. Um, but at the same time, I think that we can step back already and already be thankful for what God has done here because, uh, or, you know, God, or what, or what God has allowed in this, because mm -hmm. it is, um, 
it has been such a, a a blessing to us already, and I I really believe that it's going to be a blessing to Caleb down the road as as his faith grows. Mm-hmm. As, as, as he, he understands things about God that we never will. That's even true. at his age right now, like it makes me tear up thinking about it. But the way that he he knows because I mean Chris has taught him, but he knows that he's going to have a new body in heaven, and that's not. So, I mean, I think about that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I won't have the fat rolls that I've been really, really packing on these last or you know, maybe you twelve will months or whatever. <laughs> there we go. But <laughs> but that's like the extent of me going new body. I won't be tired, you know. Caleb has an understanding of having a new body, even at five years old, that I never will yeah. because he won't have some of the issues he, he has. He talks now. about it with he us. Does. He, he asks, asks questions about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's true. And it, it, it changes us as well mm-hmm. to, to hear him talk about it and ask questions about it. And I think pushes us to be, uh, to be able to teach him those things and, and, and to help him to understand what heaven is going to be like, that he can have the hope of heaven and have it even now. And he, and he does, he has that right now. It draws um, us all closer to the mm-hmm. Lord, which is the goal here. Like, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so to to remove that pain, I think, is um, is a shame. It, it, yeah. it, it ends up stopping, um, per, it, it ends up sort of muting God's voice yeah. in that. Well, so. I think of uh, Scott said also, he, he said that, an unborn child will never be able to say, I've learned about God's faithfulness throughout my life. Yeah. And in my case, that hit me like a ton of bricks yesterday mm. that that baby will never get to say that. Mm. And that was so sad. Mm. Also, just practically, like, that's a really slippery slope to say, you know, that it, we need to save someone the pain of their life ahead of time, knowing that it will be painful. A, we grow closer to the Lord, but also at what point do we decide that? Can, can we decide it after someone's born? Mm-hmm. Can we mm-hmm. decide it when they're, ooh, you're past 50, you're you're yeah. on the other side, it's going to start getting ugly, so... <laughs> yeah. Let's, my husband and I had that wow. conversation too. So a little backstory, my yeah. husband's not a believer, so we have some pretty interesting conversations in the Schoolcraft Brown house. <laughs> um, and one of the things was talking about, uh, we were talking, when Texas first w- went like no abortion um he was really fired up about that because he loves me and he's he is a champion of women's rights god bless him um but i was like but babe that those babies have a right too yes i have a right but those babies have rights and he was like they're not they're not viable and i was like well henning our son wasn't viable heck sometimes he's still not viable Mm -hmm. like at what point point, hun does he have does he have viability to you? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that Imago Dei creator, cre- like that the, that we were created in the image of yeah. God. And there yeah. is a distinction because, I mean, in the animal kingdom, lions eat their young. And I'm telling you what, if I was a lion, some days I would eat Henning. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him. And he was created in the image of God. And to me, he has every right to a to a life and that yeah. is something that the lord has shown me through this second trip around motherhood that mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily get the chance to go through with the first time around yeah i've heard an apologetic argument for that i mean i mean you could just say you know uh when does a when does a child become viable right? mm-hmm. that, that's the question is it when they reach a certain size well no i mean like you know is is people who are shorter less viable than people who are taller? <laughs> like that's that's a problem. Okay, what about age? 
well, no. Like, are people that are younger less violent? No, like, that's a problem. Um, is it about intelligence? Well, no. See, that's a problem, too. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, so when, when you look at all of these questions, um, you can't really pin down uh, a, like, a, um, a trait or a, a status that then makes someone viable. Um, so what the... Uh, the pro-choice um, side basically just trying to say is the viability has to do with um, place, you know, so it's like whether they're in utero or not or things like that. But even that's shifting now because it's it's moving towards yeah. like it was 28 weeks. Some, some are saying mm-hmm. it's 12 weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like there's no clear answer. And I think the clear answer, again, if all truth is coming from scripture, like you're saying, yeah. uh, viability is is – uh, ultimately God's decision yeah. and that and that and that yeah. uh, when when you look at scripture I mean I think viability is actually then before the foundation of the earth at that point yeah. so um, so anyway that's that's my two cents on that but yeah. <laughs> let's talk about application and and um, I want to I, I want to talk about some of the things that Scott said, but maybe add a few other points of application that we can, as Christians especially, what can we do to kind of come alongside this issue and um, and help the people that are really struggling with this? What can we actually do? One thing that um, Pastor Scott said is to come alongside pregnant moms who feel like they have no other options, very much like your friend that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that must have been so hard uh, I mean, hard for you, but I mean, I'm thinking about it for her too. It, it was hard for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. very yeah. difficult to do that. Um, but what a blessing mm-hmm. that was for you in that time, and what a witness that is yeah. to the love of God. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, man, uh, I would just say if you know someone who is in that situation, don't be afraid to to step in to talk with them mm-hmm. to to be the light of Christ to them. Yeah in that moment. Well, and, and also, um, be aware that not everyone is going to react the way that I did to that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we're speaking the truth, well, one, we need to ask God to search us and know our hearts. Um, because there might be some hubris there that we need to address. There might be some, some elevation. And even in my own story, I mean, I was in the clinic going through with an abortion and there was a girl next to me who was referring to her unborn child as a sea monkey and talking about how this was her fourth trip to the clinic. And I was judging her as I was getting ready to go do the exact same thing, committing the same sin. And there was still even like there was pride in me, like placing myself in a higher superiority than her, despite the fact that we were there for the same thing. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. So it's one of those things like recognizing what um, what sin are we bringing to the picture Mm -hmm. to to be very, very clear with the Lord, like humble me and and give me your love Mm -hmm. to speak this truth, because there are people who have spoken truth to me and have whacked me upside the head mm. instead of meeting me with grace and truth. Absolutely, sure. And sure. that I, that speaks volumes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's really Speaking good. Speaking the truth and love. Yeah. Um, of course, Scott mentioned prayer. Uh, that is huge. Working for change. So um, Scott made a point that Christians have a role in politics and and as ambassadors for Christ that we can work for change in mm-hmm. this area. And I think that's really good. Um, one thing I, I would recommend it, it, going back to, um, Josh Hirschberger again, um, 
you know, if you go to his website and, and I will post all that in the show notes so you can uh, get a link to all that stuff. But he has some ways that you can get involved in local politics. And I think it's, um, it is important that if you're, if you're passionate about that, this is a way that you can get involved. Um, another thing that I was thinking about too is uh, foster and adoption. You know, um, so when Eric and I were uh, in Arizona, one of the things that we started to learn about there was that um, there was a uh, kind of a movement within the churches to start um, for getting people to start fostering because we found out that there were kids that were looking for foster homes. Um, and the number of kids that were looking for foster homes almost equaled the number of churches there were in the state oh, wow. of Arizona. And so they're like, you know, if one family from every church just fostered one child, then no child would be without a good home to be mm -hmm. in. And that honestly, the church should be the one to step mm -hmm. up and really do this. And so I think that um, as Christians, we need to be thinking about making room in our life for stuff like that, making, yeah. making, our lives available for kids that are in need because if we're ever going to get to a, pl a place where um, abortion does become um, outlawed in our country, the church has to be willing to step up yeah. and care for the kids. And I think and the mothers, and the mothers. And the mothers too. Yeah, that's another part of it we're going to talk about here. But um, but but yeah, uh, we, we I think I think the foster the foster system and adoption as well and safe families as well we've had mm -hmm. safe families. members of our church who are involved mm -hmm. in um, safe families and walking alongside families who have decided that they're going to keep this child but they're struggling and they need some help whether it's some respite or some stuff right. to take care of that child and things like that and so being able to walk along people yeah um, in love and doing the hard things because it's not easy. Foster care, not easy. Adoption, not easy. Safe families, not easy. But we're not called to easy. We're called to love. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think as we do help people, as we help, it, whether it's helping with the kids or helping with the moms or even the dads, there we need to approach it in a way that is very selfless. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. There, there are multiple places in the Bible where. God talks about when we're walking alongside people and, and there's one, and I can't remember the, the verse right now, but it talks about give with no expectation of return. Um, that there are times when we're walking alongside these families and might we be taken advantage of? Uh-huh. Sometimes, but we're doing it not for a return. We're doing it because of the grace of God and what he has shown us, which was not deserved and out of love for his people. Um, there's also in Luke 10, the story of the good Samaritan, and if you get near the end of it, the Good Samaritan has already taken care of, bound up the wounds of the, the man who was beaten up. Um, then it says in verse 35, And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the, to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So he, he didn't say, Okay, I, I got to check this guy's bank account and make sure that he can eventually give it back to me. Is he a good guy? I don't know. He was like an enemy, but he just found this man who needed help. He stopped. He gave him help. He took money out of his wallet and said, take care of this guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to keep taking care of this guy yeah. until you're done, until he doesn't need it anymore. And that's not necessarily always the case. Should we always throw every dollar out of our wallet at every single person who needs no, but there are times when it means putting our money where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, love is always going to be sacrifi costly, costly, sacrificial, yeah. um, and and self. I mean, really, 
mm-hmm. self-denying mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways when, yep. when we love people. And that's just reflecting the love of God yeah. at the end of the day. Um, that what Christ did for us, that yep. he... You Gave know, everything. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to go to the cross. Uh, he prayed that he wouldn't have to, but he obeyed the will of the Father, yeah. and he went to the cross, and he suffered, and he died, and he did that for us. Yeah. Um, and he asked while he was being killed for the Father to forgive everyone yeah. Yeah. who was standing there watching yeah. him die. Yeah. For they yeah. know not what they do. Right, right. Well, and I think that, too, it goes back to you saying, while we were enemies of God, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Um, and in the, the instance of the Good Samaritan, someone had sinned against him. Yeah. In my case, I sinned against myself and my unborn child. Like, I self-inflicted that harm. And that there is a place for us to walk alongside people who are self-inflicting harm, mm-hmm. like and abortive or whatever. Yeah, um, that we can still do that with compassion and grace. And I think that 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 ministers Christ's love absolutely the same way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really Too good. often we're taking these stances against things which do matter. Yep, it is sin, and it and it matters, but we're doing it with callous hearts and with judgmental hearts that I'm judging you for a sin that I see and that I disagree with. And it's still sin. It's still not okay. But I'm pretending like I don't have my own sin. That's just different from yours. Um, So while, while people who have had an abortion or paid for an abortion or told someone to get whatever need forgiveness, so do we for our sins, for our judgment over those people, in the midst of our own sin, um, for the way we've treated people while we talked about this thing that we cared about. I think that it it makes me sad sometimes when I read social media of Christians and the way that they come across with things that, yes, grieve the heart of God, Mm -hmm. but your attitude about it and toward God's people who are sinning is not loving the way that God would want it. And so I think that we can treat it with so much more love and care than mm-hmm. we do. Um, and that would reach so many more people mm-hmm. for the sake of Christ mm-hmm. than our judgment does. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys, um, first of all, thank you. Thanks for this uh, conversation. Thanks for sharing all the things that, that you guys did. And um, I think that this is this was really good, really helpful to, to, to lay all this out and talk about this openly. Um, and for you that's listening, if, if any of this, um, has raised some questions or some thoughts that you want to talk about, we want to encourage you to reach out to us. Um, you can find all of us on staff here. Uh, all of our emails are on the website. Um, you can also, uh, contact, um, Erica and Jess as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they'd love to talk with you about these things as well. And you guys have Stones Crossing email mm-hmm. accounts too, we right? Do. Yeah. So, since, since we're over a ministry. Yeah. So it's Erica at stonescrossing.com. E-R-I-C-A. Yep, and Jess. Yep, J-E-S-S. Right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> At stonescrossing.com. Yeah, and so we would love to, to talk and um, see how we can help. So feel free to reach out to us. And so, yeah. Well, next time we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, another guest is going to be on next week. We have uh, our friends Rachel Reese and love Brian it. O'Malley <laughs> are going to be on next week. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So we'll see you next time on the Sunday Recap. Have a great week, everyone.